Sonoma. For the past 25 years, Bruce Irving has worked on, improved, studied, written about, and lived in houses. First on a little show called This Old House, and now with a real estate firm. With this experience, he has consulted for homeowners and renovators in the Northeast, authored New England Icons, which celebrates New England's unique architecture, and he continues to find potential in houses both new and old. It's such a pleasure to have Bruce on the show. Welcome, Bruce. How are you? I'm swell. Thanks for having me on. And I should acknowledge that you were a radio DJ in college, so this is Wait, where did th- where did that little nugget come from? I do my research on Hello Sonoma. I'm digging it. I can even tell you the name of the uh of the uh, show, if you'd like to know. Yeah, what was it about? I believe it was called the Livisnaps Hour. <laughs> Livisnaps being a well-known dog uh, treat. Why we called it that, I haven't a clue. <laughs> Maybe we thought we, that we could attract an underwriter in the in the Livisnaps uh, Corporation. I don't know. Well, unfortunately, anyway. I don't, did you get sponsored by them? No, oh. nothing happened. Alas, there's still Alas. time. Yay. So that was your first foray into production, and then... A little bit later, you got into a little show called This Old House. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how you joined the crew and how you kind of got started. There. Well, that would be uh, under the uh, under the file heading of nepotism, mm-hmm. which I'm sure as you uh, move through this world, uh, find that it has its powers. Uh, I was, <sighs> I used to be a, a dishwasher and a busboy and then eventually a waiter at a restaurant in Nantucket in the summers. And... Uh, one of the co-creators of that restaurant was a woman named Marion Morash. And I seem to re- remember when I was thinking of what do I do next in my life, didn't Marion Morash's husband have something to do with a show called This Old House, which I had never seen, <laughs> um, but I knew the name of. And so I tracked her down and said, you remember me? And hey, and could I meet? Uh, do you think your husband would talk to me? And the answer was yes, and that's how it started. Wow, and then since then you went on to become the producer of the show. Yeah, he he hired me on. His only real question for me was, um, have you ever worked in television before? And the answer was no. He liked that because uh, I didn't have any bad habits that he'd had to br- that he would have to break f- uh, me from. And he also asked, do you have a car? And the answer was no, but I'll get one, and, and away we went. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, so he's. I I came on as uh, sort of a dog's body beginner, uh, step and fetch kind of a guy. Um, but soon enough, worked my way up. Uh, there wasn't much working up to do. Uh, any of you people out there in, in uh, radio land who ever sent money to your public television station, your, your, your monies were well spent when it came to underwriting this old house because I was the only full-time employee for 14 years wow. when it was at public television. So for many people, This Old House is an iconic TV show. What did the experience teach you specifically, and what do you hope it taught those who watched it? Uh, let's see. For me specifically, I was just able to sit at the feet of masters, including Russ Morash, the guy who started the show, who had a masterful sense of how to get information out of people. Um, the people that he got information out of, in the case of this old house, were gifted craftsmen and women. Um, and so I learned how he... In how he worked through his uh, host. Uh, the host would be the on-air person, but he would 
often, you know, consult or talk through the host to the tradespeople to get questions answered. And, uh, and then the tradespeople themselves, how they, how they did what they do. And do you think that there's one big takeaway from the show that you'd hope that the American populace can have? Ah, uh, huh. That there is an art and a craft and a beauty to uh, taking care of a home. And while the r- early roots of this old house may have had a certain do-it-yourself uh, nature to them, I think as the, as the show um, evolved, it became clear, possibly even to the people who are making it, that um, there's a point where amateurs should stop and let people who really know what they're doing start. That's certainly what I learned. I don't, <laughs> I don't do anything of any import around my house uh, that it has to do with uh, fixing it or working on it. But that's just me. I, I just never aspired to uh, expertise, at, but rather learned how to find people who knew what they were doing and was. And I am happy and. Uh, Yes, happy to pay them to do it. <laughs> I think that's a powerful thing, the appreciation of a craft that we would otherwise ignore. Put your, put your gifts to work, making money with whatever you do, and then use some of that money to hire people who know what they're doing. <laughs> I think that, that's, that, think that's you, You've got a gift, use it, monetize it, and then spend the money uh, uh, on people who know what they do, they're doing. So after 25 years, well, for 25 years, you were focused on houses, but that was not always the case. You went to Williams College and you studied English and you did this thesis on um, Thomas Pynchon's Gravity's Rainbow. Thomas Pynchon's Gravity's Rainbow, a two and a half inch thick, um, hard, hard slog of a book. So, I mean, that that sounds like someone who was really interested in English and in writing and in analysis. What was your mindset then? When? When you were doing this in college. Oh, probably. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I was like, I, I think I, I thought, okay, I can, I know how to read. That's, I can do that. Uh, I like to read books, sort of, so I can continue to do that. And I definitely had a, a I think I had a certain skill at writing. And so uh, instead of therefore like learning hard stuff like political economy uh, or something like that. I just kept going with uh, reading books and writing about what I, re- what I was reading. I think deep down I, I have a feeling about myself that I'm lazy, um, and so that's sort of how I uh, frame my personal history sometimes. But I think, you know, stepping back, I just followed what I liked doing. And that led you to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking back, and I was talking to somebody uh, at a dude ranch that I was at a little while ago, who had been a classics major and was now a nursing uh, a student. I, I just thought that is perfect, and I agreed wholeheartedly with her. Uh, her thinking, which was, you know, you're only getting one chance to hang around and just learn stuff uh, that may not have a practical uh, part to it. But the, the art of learning and thinking and writing, uh, that's what a good liberal arts school can do. And then when you get out, phew, that's, when you, that's, of course, when the sweat springs to your brow and you have to figure out how to, how to make a living. So when you got out, uh, you took another couple of zigs and zags. You went yep. to Japan yep. to teach English. Yep. 
that was a thing kind of going and may still be but in the 80s when i graduated um the, the, there was uh, just a, a, a lot of demand in Japan for people to come over and teach English. And since I had absolutely no other ideas, uh, actually, I think I dodged a bullet because it turned out, although I wasn't aware of it at the time, I think I graduated into something of a recession. And like that's why there was complete crickets from uh, uh, Madison Avenue law, uh, ad firms and other places that I had pestered telling them how wonderful I was. Uh, that just, there was nothing going on. And the fact that there was a shot at going over to Japan and getting, uh, a year's worth of teaching, I took it. And, uh, you know, it was one of those chance things that looking back, it kind of changed my life. And yet what it really did is it showed me that, if you have a chance to sort of just pursue something that catches your attention, do it. So what was the takeaway from that? That the takeaway from that is if, if you, if there's something that kind of catches your attention, go ahead and do it. Don't think of all the reasons you can't do it. I had a, I was a deeply in love with this girl and had never been in such a, a thrilling relationship. And still I left her, I left her for a year, um, to, to go over and do this thing in Japan. And, um, I, it was a really, really rich experience. What do you think made it so worth it? The exposing yourself to, uh, I mean, it's as a straight white male, um, I'm pretty able to wander around the world in America, uh, sort of able to get away with anything, frankly. To go to Japan, I was, you know, in a real minority. And that was an interesting experience, just not being the typical um, human being out on the street, but actually somebody who uh, both garnered attention and probably had a lot of assumptions, uh, not all positive, made about me. And that was, that was, I think, looking back, a kind of a neat position to be in because... Neat is not quite the right word, um, but it allowed me to have some, at least a sort of core empathy when I ever think of people who are marginalized here in America. I'm like, oh yeah, remember what it was like to not be um, the fully accepted version? So that, I think that was a good empathetic lesson. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I think another powerful thing is there are some still more zigs and zags before you found your passion. Sometimes we get this illusion that it's like, you're 18 and you find your passion. Mm -hmm. You do it in college and you get there. Yeah. So it sounds like you applied to law school after this experience. I did, but that was a classic case of, you know, what I have no real bright ideas. So I guess I'll just do what I perceive as a uh, step towards, quote, success. And uh, as, I, as I guess you dug up, uh, I got into a good law school and I didn't go and then another year came by i guess what was the word i deferred i deferred and then i deferred a second year and on the third year when they called me and said hey man are you are you ever are you really interested i just knew right then i was i, I knew before then that i was not going to do it what were you doing in those deferral years the deferral years i was working at this old house oh, yeah so i i i hope it doesn't ruin the radio show to tell you that i'm not 100 percent sure i ever did find that passion i found stuff that interested me mm -hmm. um but i'm not 100 percent sure that the making of a living uh, uh, ever turned into I never did that avocation to vocation thing I think I've spent more um, I've definitely I've found that my work as long as it's um, catches my you know my 
intellect and my attention enough to keep me engaged is really a means to living rather than, um, you know, a be-all and end-all. And the living part that I really enjoy is um, to be, I love being in relationships uh, with friends, with family, with my um, colleagues. I, I guess I've, I've, and I've spent a lot of time in therapy and uh, doing other personal growth stuff. Just trying to perfect is not quite the right word. Get closer to my core person, whoever that person was, because growing up, um, you know, it, it got a little buried along the way, it, as, we, it, as it does for all of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I've turned my, my life's work into getting more familiar with who I am. And I think that's an important endeavor for all of us. Yeah. I do want to ask you one last thing about houses. Which yes. I mentioned in your uh, introduction that you wrote a book called New England Icons. Yes. Which uh, kind of talks about architectural history in New England, bringing to life some of what makes New England so special. What do you think drew you to that style and what made you want to write about it? <laughs> well, this allows me to, to uh, cop to laziness once more, which is um, I had been asked by um, the editor of a new magazine in Boston called Design New England, which was about houses and architecture and uh, interior design to start a column called New England Icon, pick a piece of the built environment and get into it and see what's behind these familiar sites. So after about five or six, no, three or four years of putting out a column every month or every other month, I had a big stack of kind of interesting stories and I thought well shoot why not put it into a book and illustrate it with photographs so the laziness part comes from it's you know it's a Yankee thing I recycled it I made it you uh, gave it a second life um, but every time that I had this assignment it was just like a college paper you I avoided it avoided it and I finally started it I was unbel- uh, invariably amazed at all the stuff I learned you know, lobster boats. There's a whole story about lobster boats, new, uh, village greens, deep history, stone walls, you know, etc. So um, it, it's par- all part of sort of being a mile wide and an inch deep. That's <laughs> I think that's my sort of that's my sort of calling card. Well, it was a great exploration, and I think that's that's fascinating to get to know your area wherever you're from. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show, Bruce. Thanks so much for sharing and for being here. I was thrilled to be asked. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Thank you. Hello and welcome to the first version of Extras. These are a couple of moments from our interviews that I couldn't fit into the radio cut. Um, This is here with Bruce Irving. I have two little sections of interviews that I really thought were fantastic explorations on, on different paths and and different attitudes. So here's the first section. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so besides houses, you also do some volunteering for food for free, mm-hmm. which, as you said, you do to houses, you give them a new life. It gives food a new life for people who are in need. Could you tell me more about what you do there? Well, that came about, as I'm sure many people had sort of COVID moments, uh, that came about during COVID when it uh, got out that there's a lot of people who are deeply food insecure and more so during that crisis ongoing, frankly. Um, and so I just, I went down to this organization that had been around for probably 30 years. Um, and they take food and deliver it to people who need it both and through individual deliveries to people's houses and through, um, uh, food pantries. Uh, and that's just, 
uh, you know, I'm a big fan of you got to you can do your own personal um, things for yourself, make money, take vacations, whatever, pay attention to your family, but also giving back to the community. It's a big deal and a very important part of the, I think, uh, a nice sort of triad of behaviors. So I also um, am a uh, the the head of the uh, I'm sorry the chairman of the Cambridge Historical Commission, which is a regulatory body and you know part of the government, and that's another place where I think it's cool to give some time back to the place where you live. Hmm. I think that's excellent. So um, my last question is an, is another question of kind of transition. Mm-hmm. Um, another guest on this show is going to be your wife Debbie, mm-hmm. and. For the beginning of your life, you had this kind of burgeoning career in this old house. It was a big deal. And mm-hmm. now Debbie's having this amazing career where she wrote this book called Waking Up White in which she describes her journey towards understanding race and her place in society. What's it like to kind of switch roles from the... Fabulous. A great flip. And um, it's... it's. I don't know if it's about like who's making the bacon as much as who's doing their best work uh, at the height of their powers, and I think Debbie is doing that. I was, I was, I was very into and good at the, the this old housework, uh, and now Debbie is very good and very powerful in what she does, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to back her up on it. So it's been a nice um, flip, and I'm happy to have shared the the I guess the outward facing part of the family with her. Excellent. I thought that was a, a wonderful exploration there. And then after our interview, after the 15 minutes was over, we still were kind of discussing. And Bruce had some really, really great points on the ways in which our careers can, can change and be shifted and what it means to be on a career path and why sometimes it's not always great to stay on that path. So I hope you enjoy this. Well, one thing that I've found through these interviews is that you find yourself in everybody. Ah, you know, yeah, sure. Like even to hear you say, you know, you graduate college and you start sweating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I kind of side eyed over to you, and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, everybody has." That. Sure. Yeah. But no, for it's, some reason, true. we all think that we're like. It's never happened. Before. We're all plowing our way forward. Yes, and I'm I am the unique fuck up of all time, <laughs> or the greatest thing of all. None of that's true, and we absolutely and it's you could call it narcissism, but I think we're always seeking our uh, our place in the story that we're hearing. Totally. So that, yeah. And it's always encouraging to me to hear about these like zigs and zags, because it makes you feel like. Um, not the mistakes, but that like living your life is what it's all about. Exactly. I the I don't even know what a mistake is really. I think a mistake is getting on some rails and not getting off of them. Right. And not listening to the voice that Emily listened to, which is, dude, this is not going the right. This is not a way to live. Yeah. That's a mistake. And uh, here Emily had a conversation with one of the guests here, whose son is like thinking, what the fuck have I done by joining up with Price Waterhouse or some soulless place? And he is so worried about making a mistake by leaving it or something. And that's where I I would say, you know, know, a mistake is for him to keep on keeping on there. Hmm. I mean, sure, there are plenty of people who um, they get on the rails and and they stay. I've got friends who have found that avocation into vocation. Sure. And I'm frankly i'm jealous of them just never happened to me um but if you're doing if you're getting on rails just because you're supposed to and you stay on them because you're not brave enough to 
try out something else, then you, you're making a big mistake because you only get, I'm pretty sure we only get one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so I think there. that's great. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to Alyssa on KSBY 91.3. This concludes the interview section of our episode of Hello Sonoma. Um, I hope you enjoyed the message that Bruce shared and I think that the whole Irving family shared, which is that life takes unexpected turns. Now, you know, I've never interviewed an entire family. Well, not the entire family, but I've never interviewed three people from the same family before. And honestly, that's just because the occasion hasn't come up yet. Um, I think that what this family represents more than any other that I've run into really is that Life can take some crazy turns, and you really never know when you're gonna, where you're gonna end up, and you never know what, when "quote unquote" success will reach you, and what success might feel like when you get there. Um, I feel like each, each member of the family in different episodes highlighted those things, and that's what made it so special. So it was a real pleasure to interview the three Irvings, uh, three of the Irvings, um, and so thank you all for being on the show, and thank you for listening. Um, again, I mentioned I was out west. I was in Wyoming. I guess that's east of California, um, but it, it's the west. Uh, and I must say, it's it's quite a magnificent place. Um, but again, it makes me appreciate being here in Sonoma. Finally, it looks like it might rain, um, which would be good. Uh, it's Halloween's just around the corner. So with that in mind, I'm going to play a couple more tunes to kind of fade out our episode and so i'm going to play first one is a tune that i also got from my friend piri uh piri is a philosopher he is a comedian he is a a craftsman and many other things but he also has some great taste in bluegrass music so i thought that i would that i would share this one this one is called back to hancock county it is kind of a i think it's an homage to going you know, back to a place where you're from. And so since I'm from Sonoma, let's pretend that it's back to Sonoma. This one's Back to Hancock County by Daly and Vincent. Hey, Darren, I've been thinking how this old darn world's been sinking. You and I ain't nothing like we used to be. We used to be like brothers, now we hardly know each other It's a shame how people change, don't you agree? Remember when we traveled down the country roads of gravel Yeah, and a pickup truck just barely fit to run How the dust and all the clatter sure didn't make the chickens scatter Just two country boys out to have some fun There was moonshine in the stills in the hills, squirrels are barking in the trees, hounds that run all night, girls to hold me tight, back in Hancock County, Tennessee. Sally Larkin, what Sally taught us, they don't teach in country school. I'd give my last ten dollars just to be back. 
sipping on a jug of good old Mountain Dew. But time sure is a passing, and we ain't got time for laughing. We've got more worries than our heads can hold. Before we're gone forever, let's go have some fun together, like we did before we started growing old. There was moonshine in the stills, rabbits in the hills, squirrels are barking in the trees, hounds that run all night, girls to hold me tight, back in Hancock County, Tennessee. Vincent. It's a great tune about coming back home, as I mentioned before the song started, and uh, coming back home made me realize all the great things that we have here in Sonoma. One of the things that I'm especially proud of, I haven't done a PSA in all almost 20 episodes of this show yet, but I'm going to do a PSA for Sonoma Overnight Support, which is the organization that I work for. Um, Last weekend, we had our Halloween fundraiser, and the Halloween fundraiser was to raise money for the food program. Last month in September, we served 4,835 meals, which is a, a significant amount. Uh, that's the highest amount we've, <coughs> second highest amount we've served this year. March was the highest. And uh, it's just something that we were able to offer to all of the, all of our neighbors and community members here in Sonoma. And we're so happy that almost 170 people came to our fundraiser to donate to this important cause. So if you're interested at all, you can go to SonomaOvernightSupport.org. See us on Facebook, facebook.com slash support. And you can see what we've been doing, what we continue to do. Um, It's been a really interesting experience being a part of that organization. After having come back to Sonoma for, you know, with some time away, um, learning more about what our community is made of and made of, and learning more about the community needs that we have. Um, It's been a really interesting experience, especially coming back as an adult after having grown up here. Um, You know, going to the farmers markets and things. I didn't really understand what really happens in Sonoma. So this has been a really great experience and I feel honored to be a part of this wonderful organization. Um, well, before we end this episode, I want to make sure that I play a couple of tunes uh, for our guest, Mr. Bruce Irving. He is a, a self-declared fan of Fountains of Wayne, who you may know for their famous song, at one time ubiquitous song called Stacy's Mom. Great song. I mean, it's just got all the right vibes. And uh, Bruce introduced me to the rest, not the rest, but much more of their repertoire, which is actually really nice, and I enjoy it a lot. So we're going to play a song called Hackensack by Fountains of Wayne. I hope that you enjoy it. I used to know you 
together in period one Fridays at 8.15 Now I see your face in the strangest places Movies and magazines I saw you talking to Christopher Walken On my TV screen But I will wait for you As long as Sack. I'll be here for you I used to work in a record store Now I work for my dad Scraping the paint off of hardwood floors The hours are pretty bad Sometimes I wonder where you are Probably in L.A. That seems to be where everybody else ends up these days But I will wait for you As long as I need to And if you ever get back to Hackensack I'll be here for Right, that was Hackensack, Founds of Wayne, good band, what can I say? Um, kind of a touching little piece about going back home. That seems to be the theme, I seem to be always going back home. That was the theme when we were on the train, when I was on the train coming back to Sonoma, when I was in Wyoming coming back to Sonoma. It's just, you know, as Bob Taylor likes to say, the the master of KSVI, he likes to say there's the curse of Kotati, that you can leave Sonoma, or I don't remember what the curse of Kotati is, but something about leaving and you can't come back, or coming back and never leaving you can leave sonoma but uh, i don't know <laughs> but it's all about coming back so it's a fun time to be back i'm going to close this episode with another founds of wayne song because why not you know if there's ever an occasion to play two founds of wayne song in one radio show this is it the one with bruce irving the founds of wayne fan i'm sure there are many others but the one that i know by the way one of the reasons that bruce told me he likes found of wayne so much which is totally understandable is their storytelling. And they really do have a good storytelling. If we listen to the first song that we had on this episode of Big Iron, that's a good storytelling song, and so are these Founds of Wayne ones. So I hope you enjoy. And uh, I'm, I mean, I've been enjoying Founds of Wayne too. Anyway, this is another song called Someone to Love by Founds of Wayne. Thank you so much for listening on Hello Sonoma on KSVY 91.3. It's always a pleasure to have you here. 
and on anchor.fm slash hello sonoma if you're ever interested in listening to it online or wherever you get your podcasts it's it's possible everywhere um always a pleasure i am looking forward to interviewing some more sonoma guests soon and um i can't wait to uh, hear what you have to say reach out on facebook twitter soon to be instagram it's gonna be a great time thanks so much and enjoy fountains of wayne remember it's not goodbye it's hello sonoma Shapiro got his law degree He moved to Brooklyn from Schenectady 93 got some clients in the food industry He says it's not the money, it's the recipes He calls his mom, says he's doing fine She's got somebody on the other line Puts Coldplay on, pours a glass of wine up with a book about organized crime When it's late and it's hot And the date with the late shows all that you've got Don't give out, don't give up One of these nights you might find someone to Up ahead, she cuts in front of him and leaves him for dead.